got great photos of me using my binoculars and looking away from the Coliseum. Hey, podcast listeners, we were recently taping an episode with Robin Arasari of the Tucanitacone Frankfurt Watershed Partnership, and Robin was telling us about his recent trip to Rome, Italy. So we decided to put it out in a special little mini episode, Robin in Rome. We hope you like it, and if you like the podcast, and well, this episode or the whole podcast, please tell your friends about it. Um, you can write a review and rate us on your podcasting app of choice. You can also just tell people about it in all kinds of conventional ways. You can tell your friends face-to-face. You can call them, email them, send them a note, put it on a paper airplane, put it on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at HerbWildlifeCast. You can email us also like with ideas and, and feedback about the show at UrbanWildlifeCast at gmail.com. And if you have ideas, if you have places you're going, cities you're going to, and you get a chance to record some of your observations of wildlife, wherever that might be, That could be anywhere from Rome to Milan to, I don't know, Budapest or Melbourne um, or Buenos Aires or Lagos, you name it. Record it. Tell us about it. We'd love to try to get it on the show. Rome has come up in at least one earlier podcast episode. So check out Arthropods Through the Ages, in which we talk about Rome's fascinating river crab population isolated in the Cloaca Maxima, which was ancient Rome's main sewer and which seems to have a population of river crabs that has been isolated in that that waterway since its construction, even maybe even before the Roman Republic, and which seemed to have evolved some distinctive characteristics and behaviors, sort of separating them both physically as well as as, I don't know, biologically, from their nearest river crabs. So without further ado, here are your co-hosts, me, Billy Brown, Tony Crosdale, uh, having a conversation with frequent guest host Robin Irisari about his trip to Rome. So Robin got me really excited when he said he was going to Rome, although he was probably more excited because he actually went to Rome. (laughs) Um, Although when he was in Rome, you found what spray painted on an underpass? Oh, man. Representants, uh, somebody beat us there and had tagged Philly 215 real big on the side of the Tiber River, you know, the walls of the channel there. So it felt just like home. I was standing, (laughs) I could see the Vatican. We walked down the stairs, and boom, it's right there. And I was just blown away. I was like, wow. So naturally, we took photos with it. That was. And, and Robin has a theme on Facebook, <laughs> on his personal Facebook account of posting funny signs he sees around Philadelphia. And so it was like, it fit in very well with Robin's... The Philly sign, Jones. <laughs> so um, so how long, I want to, I guess I'll interview, did you record anything while you were there? So I wanted to, and then that didn't end up happening. Okay. But I took notes, and I took a lot of photos. Okay. So... So then, listeners at home can tune in and find the photos on the on the Twitter feed. We'll make those. We'll make those happen. I'll get, I'll get that. Um, I'll see it. So regarding Rome, there were a few things that maybe I'll sort of interview about it. Um, I when when Robin was going to Rome, I was like a few things. I know he wanted to. He, he started thinking about birds, which is understandable. Um, like and birds. I started thinking about herps, which is also understandable. In particular, wall lizards. But before I get to those, I was like, 
aren't there boars in Rome? And, like, sure enough, there are urban wild boar, like the wild version of our pigs, um, that are kind of a, a challenging species to coexist with because they, they're they huge and they could, like, disembowel you if they got really angry. Anyway, these are considered quarry to hunt yeah. you know, back when people used boar spears. We did a whole episode about them, at least half an episode about them, in the Urban Caracals and Barcelona Boars episode, in which um, Sean Cahill, a researcher, was looking into the boars of Parque de Colcerola in Barcelona and some of their interactions with humans. And so, Robin, tell us what you tried to do. Yeah. So, we got into Rome. We spent two days in Rome. We were visiting my wife's sister and our brother-in-law who live in Sicily. So, on the way there, we stopped in Rome. Thought that would be, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't do that. So, we got in late... To Rome, our plane landed at 1 a.m. And we're looking at a map of Rome right We've now. We've got Rome spread out in front the of The Eternal us City, right here. Yeah. So the plane landed, well, probably close to midnight from Fiumicino. And we got a, a cab ride into Rome where we were to where we were staying. And, you know, people drive like crazy. The taxi man was driving all over the place in the dark, down these crazy, windy little streets. And it did happen this, you know, it seemed like... I don't know when trash day was, but there was a lot of trash, you know, out on the curb in some of these little corners of the, the neighborhood where we were driving through. So I was thinking, this is perfect, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's 1 a.m. There's This was supposed know, to happen. People put out their yeah. trash and the boars come out at night and, like, That's hit the trash. That's what we heard. The boars come out at night. <laughs> <laughs> the boars come so I had my eyes peeled, and I didn't see anything. That's okay. I... I asked the guy, <laughs> I said, hey, have you ever seen any wild boar? And he was kind of, what, what are you talking about? And I said, cinchiali, because that's boar in Italian. I'm going to guess. He, he said, ah, oh, cinchiali, cinchiali. <laughs> and he like lit up. But he said, yeah, he basically said, yeah, like one guy took a video and that's like. Okay. Yeah, some guy got a video of it. It's not but, like white-tailed deer in the suburbs. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah. not quite the phenomenon that we think of. You know, I was I was thinking these things would be all over the place. Yeah. There has been, since this situation started, there's been one fatality, and it was a guy who, like, crashed his Vespa into one. Oh, God. All right. And it wasn't, it wasn't like someone getting... It wasn't like the attacked it was somebody. Like, I mean, these things, the video... They're big animals. You want to see an awesome video <laughs> and hear an awesome Italian driver's... You know, voice as he like exclaims about a boar running down the street. YouTube, wild boar roam, and you'll you'll see this video because it's it's pretty it's pretty funny. Okay, we will certainly um, yeah, and it's just galloping down the street, and you you can imagine somebody hits something like that. It's it's a sizable. Well, it's like when you hit a deer there. or hit something like that. Yeah, it's like when you hit a deer, but then the deer has razor sharp tusks and turns <laughs> around and is really pissed, and you know this is a thing damage. we heard like I talked to us, read about it. I don't know if I remember we ended up in the episode, but. About other boar, boar in other urban places that they are a challenge, particularly when they've been hit by a car, because then they go from being just timid and afraid to being like freaked out and they can't run away. Right. And so that's when they're particularly difficult to handle. Yeah, so the boar, our boar hunt was unsuccessful, but we did see lots of awesome stuff in Rome, lots of awesome wildlife. So we got in late. You know, we 
But then I convinced my wife that because it was going to be 105 degrees, it was in our best interest to get up early still. So we got up at 7. Which is true. Yes. And it was really that hot. And I think the actual heat index, it was like 105, but felt like And Rome is supposed to be nuts in the summer with tourists. It was nuts in the summer. And the tourists, I guess, are nuts because they don't do what all the locals do and just, like, sleep during the middle of the day. Chill, yeah. And come out at night. Yeah. Like, dinner time... Is like people aren't showing up to restaurants till like nine thirty. I mean, it's late. You yeah, know? we were getting dinner at six, and it was like only us. <laughs> um, so you and a couple guys from yeah Wichita, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we we were walking around in the morning. Um, the coolest thing, like you notice right away, is all the piazzas. We're walking around, and there's Swifts just all over in the oh, sky, like the sky. Man. Is- we got a whole episode about Swifts. Yeah, the sky is full of Swifts, and these would be the common Swifts. Apis, 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 Apis. They're flying around. That was cool. Like, all, all the big open plazas, you get a real nice view of them, just clouds of them Did flying. Did you hear them? They're supposed to have this screaming call that people talk about. I don't recall That's okay. hearing any screaming. But... I mean, these are birds that basically, that, that basically never land except right. to sit on their eggs. They just and hang around. They just the fly. They roost in, in the sky. They like just keep flying around. So we had an episode. Hey, podcast listeners. That episode was Wild Swifts, Wild Lizards, Wild Dolphins, Parts 1 and 2. Um, but we talked to people in Israel and also in northern Italy, in Modena, where an amateur conservationist and researcher, basically, kind of like what we'll be when we retire. He's leading an effort to preserve roosting spots same thing in Israel, for swifts, which have tended to roost in in spaces in old roofing tiles. As buildings get modernized, those tiles go away, and mm-hmm. that that takes away their roost their nesting spots. Since they roosting spots, their nesting spots, and I guess Rome's full of old architecture with yeah. plenty of places for swifts to chill out. Loads of swifts, loads of swifts. It was really awesome. So, loads of swifts. I imagine lots of little birds attract some birds of prey. So, we're walking around, checking out sites, and then we get to... Uh, and there's going to be maybe some Italian listeners. Uh, uh, I beg He's you trying really hard, I. guys. Basilica Papale de Santa Maria Maggiore. On top of that basilica, I saw a peregrine falcon... Just chilling up there, right in the middle mm-hmm. of the city, right in the middle of Rome. That was pretty cool. Sitting on the cross on the top of the basilica. Made you feel at home, you know? Yeah, <laughs> felt right at home. Loads of Italian sparrows around. With the Swiss when you say that, the are the Italian sparrows any different than the English sparrows? Or are you saying that because they were in Italy? No, Italian sparrows. So it's you've got house sparrows and you've got Spanish sparrows. And apparently the Italian are sparrows species. are some somewhere in between. But they're distinct to Italy. Cool. So they, they do look different. I've got the birds of Europe there. Check it out. Robin was, was ready with the textbooks here. So the thing about traveling to a place you've never been before, anticipating seeing the birds, I started studying like a year before this trip, <laughs> and the first four birds I got there, I had no idea what I saw. <laughs> it was all the little brown like warbler dudes that... Every you know they have a, a ton of warblers. All their warblers basically look like a, a brown little bird, little brown job. <laughs> we have nice colorful patterns on ours here, our wood warblers. But, but 
it all pay, paid off because after a while I started to pick out the ones that I did know. So we're walking around. We get from um, the Falcon there. We walk down to the Coliseum. The Coliseum was pretty cool because that was our first sighting of the parakeets, the rose ring parakeets, the monk mm. parakeets. They were chattering, uh, flying around in the trees. So the rose rings are a or sort of an Asian species that has been released and naturalized everywhere from like London to Tokyo. Yeah. To I guess LA maybe even. And then monk parakeets. I will paste myself in mentioning these specific episodes. That episode is Parakeets Invade. Monk parakeets are sort of naturalized in Brooklyn in New York. I remember them from when I worked in Buenos Aires for a year after college. And they had monk parakeets in the parks there. And they're actually from South America, so that was a little bit more expected. But yeah. um, you can find them in Brooklyn, and apparently you can find them in Rome. You can find them in Rome. They're monk parakeets. And they were actually nesting in one of the parks they had set up. They, So I think when you guys, back in the episode that yep. Billy just referenced, they had, uh, I think Matt Haley was talking about how most parrots and parakeets are cavity nesters, but these guys yep. are actually stick nesters. They build. And so in... But they don't build like a net, like a, a no. It's just a, like, like a, a nest. It's like a pile of sticks, like built they, into. They the, nest inside. It's yeah. like they build their own tunnelable, like right. yeah, structure. Think of like a beaver dam stuffed up in a palm tree. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it looks like. I've seen right. their nest in uh, Brazil, and I've seen yeah. them nesting in the bottom of jabiru nests. Nice. So there's this giant five yeah, foot big. or taller. The like, jabiru did all the work of putting all these mm, sticks together. Yeah. Awesome. So we were at the Coliseum. There's also all these like big like cavities in the stone of the Coliseum and I wonder if that was I'm not sure what, you know, created that. But they're like big bird nest sized cavities in there in the in the stone walls of the Coliseum. So if anybody knows that, you know, do let tell us know on social media. That's that's really interesting. Um, but there were hooded crows up there, yellow legged gulls, you know, lots of See kestrels in the Coliseum? Kestrels. I didn't see... I think I read somewhere about lesser kestrels around the Coliseum sometimes, but I saw a lot of Eurasian kestrels. One, I think, at the Coliseum, um, but not too many. So then from there we went... And now we're walking... We didn't have you know service on our phone, so we're just using the map. We had two days. I mean, like... We had two days, yeah. and we so we we ended up... My wife is a wonderful and patient woman. She walked 17 God miles. <laughs> 17 miles with me in Rome in the heat in one day. Looking at Bert in one day. Robin, it's a that's what we that's what we logged. We I mean we were boom 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 back and forth. Thankfully they, you know, Rome has all these little uh, water fountains just constantly running all over the place. Um so from the Colosseum we went to uh this Parco del Celio. Um so there that was a nice little Checking out some of the little urban parks were really cool because it's not the biggest tourist thing. It's not like the Vatican. You know, it's like a little urban park like we would go to in Philly. So it's really just locals in there. Yeah. It's not like touristy. So we're checking those out. That was where we saw um, a bunch of wall lizards. We saw Italian wall lizards. Probably, yes. We saw the common wall lizard, the uh, like a black lizard with maybe yellow speckled spots on him. So there's two species, um, both the genus Podarchus. Um, and one, I get them mixed up, one is Podarchus secula, and one is Podarchus moralis. 
And I think um, you're seeing those two. I guess Morales would be wall lizard. That means no, wall lizard. That makes sense, right? Or, or wall loving or something. Wall lizards have popped up a couple times in our Wonder Wall Lizards episode and in Wall Swifts, Wall Lizards, Wall Dolphins. Wonder oh. Wall Lizards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we, uh, we talked about wall lizards in um, Maastricht in the Netherlands at the northern extent of their range. It's funny because they're wall lizards and their natural, quote unquote, natural habitat was a railroad embankment that was being renovated, basically. And so they had to try to think of a way to, to preserve this little subpopulation. Um, and then also talked about the other species, I'm forgetting which were actually both species that were introduced in the United States. So then in Arco del Celio, we had the, uh, some blackbirds there too. I mean, the thing is, we walked around in the morning. It was a lot of walking. By the time we got to some of these parks, it was like the heat of the day. And really, most of the bird life see? had quieted yeah. down. Lizards were still all around. Um, the parrots were chattering a lot. Uh, cicadas were going nuts. Whatever cicada they have there was doing its thing, just like we have them here. From Parco del Celio, we walked, headed west, back towards the Tiber. Um, on the way there, we stopped by the Circo Massimo. Circo, sorry, I said that wrong. Circo Massimo. How's that? I don't know. Uh, that's basically the old chariot stadium. You Circus think of, like, Maximus. Yeah, you think of Ben Hur, you think of the, oh, yeah. the races. Uh, barn swallows swooping around. Barn swallows. And they've got, they've got white bellies there. Oh, okay. And in the United States, in our area, what, the, what do they have? Is it more tan? Yeah, like a, like a rusty tan. Apricot. 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 Apricots. Yeah. There you go. That's a word I Apricot. Apricot. Don't live in Philadelphia. <laughs> Apricot. Um, then we crossed the Tiber. And the Tiber is, the Tiber is cool. Because it's like, the water is like blue, like green. Similar to like, I guess maybe it has something to do with the water coming down from the Alps. From the, uh, huh. I could be wrong. But all the water over there, all the rivers over there we saw were like this, you know. High mineral green, greenish like aqua okay. color. It's about half the width of the Schuylkill, um, and a lot of it through the city has like. And the Schuylkill is a is a big tributary of the Delaware that runs through Philadelphia. For context. Yeah. Okay. So it felt to me it felt a lot like the Schuylkill, like the way that the city was kind of built along it in some spots, except you know that it was wider. But there's. Spots along here where they definitely have embraced, you know, the the river more. Um, there was nightlife down there. Like as you get down there in the evening, um, that's where all the, you know, cafes were down right along the canal, and then uh, well, whatever you call it, and um, live music and stuff. Lots of reedy banks and vegetation. I've got some cool photos of that too. Um, but we'll get back to that in the evening because we checked that out more in the evening. We crossed west from the Coliseum and the Chirico Massimo, headed towards this big park we wanted to check out. And it is called, uh, I wrote this out phonetically, <laughs> the Villa Doria Pamphili. Okay. Villa Doria Pamphili. It's a huge park. It's like 500 acres, 200 hectares if you prefer those. So I, was, I thought of it kind of like Central Park, but kind of, off to the edge of the city. It wasn't like right in the middle of the city. And it's another spot where it seemed like there were not a lot of tourists. It was mostly like Italian dudes running and like 
supermodel ladies running um, in the crazy heat, and these guys are like, you know, they must be like special forces dudes retired because they're running in the crazy heat, and then they would run like a mile, do a bunch of push-ups and crunches, and run, run back, do it again and again and again. Um, we know that they did it again and again because we ended up getting lost here and wandering around way longer than we anticipated in the heat. Um, Those seven of your miles. Yeah, yeah, it was it was quite a bit. But it was a cool place, Mediterranean plants, lots of the stone pines, the really tall guys that kind of combine their canopies, real beautiful scene, uh, scenery. Um, some cycad-looking guys. Um, some deciduous woodland trees in there, too. Uh, there's a big lake in there that I was hoping to get down to, and then we ended up you know, not knowing exactly where we were and thinking, all right, we've kind of invested enough wandering around here. So... We decided to backtrack and then, you know, made our way out. We saw some cool birds in there. I saw a firecrest in there, mm. little guy. That was cool. Where is that eagle pick that you took? Ah, that's the next spot. Okay. So from this park, we left, back headed towards, I guess we were going to check out the Vatican up north of this. We wandered. Because some people uh, do that when they're in Rome. Yeah, yeah. some people do that, you know, <laughs> instead of just looking at sound, you know, lizards and... <laughs> We've got great photos of me using my binoculars and looking away from the Coliseum. <laughs> uh, so we went and wandered up, but we actually went the wrong way and wandered onto a highway for about a kilometer <laughs> and just, you know, had to I, nearly get killed a couple times on the highway until we figured out, oh, we're not where we're headed. We're not where we're supposed to be going. So we backtracked, and the western side of the Tiber, along this edge of Rome, is like elevated. Uh, the terrain goes up, and we actually had a really great view out over the city where you could see all the landmarks in one shot. Um, and that was, where was that place called? That's Parco del Gianicolo. Parco del Gianicolo. And so it's like a great place to look at out across the city, but also it serves as a pretty nice hawk watch because I was up there looking for birds soaring. And I saw this bird. And at first I thought, maybe it's a buzzard. Maybe it's a honey buzzard. And then I was looking in the field guy. And the buzzard there is like our... Like our red tail. Yeah, yeah. The, that's the... Buteo. Yeah, well, we... The group of hawks Beautio. in the genus Beautio, Beautio, they call buzzards there. Yeah. So they wouldn't call it, you know, a red-tailed hawk there. It would be red-tailed buzzard. And their analog to the red-tailed hawk is the common buzzard. Okay. And honey buzzard isn't a buzzard at all. It's no. some weird kite. So I, I thought, initially I thought maybe because of the patterns and stuff, I thought maybe this is a honey buzzard because it didn't look like any kind of beauty. And then I looked back at the photos and with help from the eBird reviewer for Italy, thank you, sir, we determined it was a short-toed snake eagle, which is pretty awesome. All right, so that was probably the coolest bird of the trip. And... It seemed to get the uh, reviewer and some other folks who checked it out on on the web pretty excited, that kind of sighting. I don't think there were any other ones on eBird that were directly over Rome, so that was pretty cool, urban birding. Um, so that was a cool spot up high. Uh, then, you know, it's really hot, so we crashed for a while back at our Airbnb, and then in the evening... <clears throat> went out to check out the nightlife along the Tiber River, and that was I like cool. the nightlife. The nightlife was nice. I got the boogie. You like the boogie? 
I'm going to just go around. Um, so we're crossing the Tiber, and I noticed that instead of swifts crowding the sky, it was bats. Mm. And that was cool. That was cool. I don't know what type of bat. I don't know what type of bat. Mm. I didn't have Tony's handy uh, bat identifier echolocation thing. So I'll just settle for that. It was awesome seeing the bats swooping over the river. That was pretty cool with the Vatican in the background, some awesome buildings back there. Then we get down to the Tiber to check out the cafes and the music and the Philly 215 right on the side there. That was pretty (laughs) well. Um, yeah, so we were getting down there, and then it was cool because some of the spots, there's these cafes, and then right at the river, there's these really reedy banks and all these mallards sleeping out there. And I noticed something swimming down there. I thought, is that a muskrat? But no, it's a nutria. Myself, I've seen nutria in Rome. Yeah. I can tell that story <clears throat> when you're done. Yeah. Well, my nutria Wait, story is just that. what's a nutria? That. It's a nutria. It's a rodent. It's kind of like our muskrat. But they're South American? Yeah. Yep. And we have them in the southern U.S. states yep. where they're a problem. They're uh, common, they were commonly introduced for the fur trade. Yeah. Um, which was, yeah. And they've kind of gone, they've gone wild. I know there's places where they have bounties on the tails. And they, like, chew up the, the local vegetation and mess up the marsh. It's, yeah. yeah. So they've made their way over there. The South American rodent is paddling around in the tiger. And... I noticed it, and I was checking it out, and I guess that drew attention to it from some of the people dining there. So some people started freaking out that there's a giant rat swimming in the oh. in the Tiber. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's like it's like a muskrat. And were these Americans you were trying to explain this to, or maybe <laughs> <laughs> they speaking... didn't acknowledge me? So <laughs> were you speaking in Italian? I was speaking in English. So it was pretty cool. All in all, I think that's. Most of the, uh, it's a nice the trip, wildlife man. that we saw for two days, for sure, I crammed a lot of stuff in there, a lot of observations, and took a lot of photos. So I, mean, I like to say for guys. a herping trip, like I don't know what it's like birding, but for a herping trip, like like your first day, you're just figuring out where the hell you should go, right? And you're not necessarily finding anything, and, and then I'm, yeah, I mean, I've been trying to. You know, I was studying up on this for almost a year since we booked this trip and trying to figure out, okay, where am I going? That's how I knew all these parks and, like, these off-the-beaten-path parks to check out, which paid off going to. My burn experience with Rambo. Rambo plays... Rambo? Rambo. What's Rambo? So Rambo's metal band. One of the best anarcho-punk bands in history. Exactly. Yep. And uh, it's funny because now, like, our uh, culture that we're specifically, like, from is getting a lot of... Notoriety, the anarcho-communist, because Antifa, who fights Nazis, uh, which I was involved in in the 90s. Yeah, saying Ayn Rambo was part of that movement, and I still kind of believe in that, and would certainly like to fight Nazis if I had the chance. Or i like them to never show up, but uh, anyway. That'd be much better. So, uh, so Rambo played uh, an anarchist squat in Rome, and afterwards we were getting interviewed for fanzine. And this gentleman. And in Rome, they have more of like in Italy, they have more of a developed anarchist, yeah, like culture and economy in a way, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So we're getting interviewed for a fanzine by this gentleman, and um, he asked what hobbies or interests the members of the band have, outside of you know playing in a harder punk band. So I go through every member, and then yeah. I, I finish with myself, and I tell them, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm in the. Uh, birding and uh, 
you know, I did field work and I was just an artic and I explained all this to him. And then he just goes, this is very interesting to me because I am an ornithologist. <laughs> and he's a park ranger in Italy and he does a, a website called Med Raptors and he studies the uh, raptor migration. Follow them on Twitter. I've been following them on Twitter, yeah. blowing up their Twitters, preparing for this trip. And he, uh, um, and I'll, so he studies raptors and, and, and he, his spot was the uh, very tip of Italy uh, where the birds migrate yeah. down and then the, shoot across uh, to uh, Sicily. The Straits of Messina. So, um, and then the Apennines, the, the, the migrate down the spine of the mountains there. And so uh, then I went and stayed at his apartment, and the next day he took me birding at an artificial wetland in Rome, and saw Nutria, as well as a uh, marsh harrier, common cuckoo, squacko heron, purple heron. It was really cool. I dipped on the squacko because uh, we didn't get to that lake. Mm. What does dip mean? Oh, it's birding for I didn't get to see it. I missed the bird. And if. You got skunked, as we would say. Oh, I got skunked. Yeah, so he dipped, and then, but I didn't. I, I saw Squacko Heron, so by me telling, gloating that I saw Squacko Heron that he dipped on, I am gripping him off. If you see a bird yeah, <laughs> that someone else didn't just, You got my Squacko. Yeah. You've gripped him off. Mm-hmm. That, that's, um, so the Brits really define the birding lingo. <laughs> Much Thank to our Brits. detriment, apparently. And, uh. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the best is jizz. Do tell. If you uh, general impression of size and shape. So if you if say say he went down to that lake, Rob wants to go down to the banks of the Tiber and see a small stout heron, but he wouldn't be able to see it in a. The field marsh was too dark. He would probably he would identify a squawker heron from its jizz, its general impression of size and shape, which apparently is a term for pilots in World War Two, how they could figure out like enemy planes. If you do like the Urban Wildlife Podcast, please rate us on Stitcher or iTunes or Google Play or whatever you use for your podcasts. Feel free to tell us about your trips to other cities around the world at urbanwildlifecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at urbwildlifecast or find your Facebook page. So thank you, Robin, for the travel log, man. Bragle.